Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we're talking about tuna. Every once in a while, I read. Read. Because I like to, <laughs> to lead, not to read. Number two. No, every once in a while, I'll check out some of the major news sites for the seafood industry, like Undercurrent News and Seafood News and those some of those sites. And I saw an article on Undercurrent News about bluefin tuna off the coast of Scotland and like the British Isles and stuff. And it kind of caught my attention. So I started looking into it a little bit more and I thought it'd be fun to talk about in this episode. So yeah, it's super interesting. It is super interesting. And it's cool because it's you can look at it as a story about successful sustainability, or you can look at it as a story of just more a warning. Yeah, kind of a (laughs) warning sign. So to make a long story short, this story starts back in the 30s where someone caught a bluefin tuna off Scotland that was like 800 pounds, right? So this article that I, I'm going to refer to is from last December, actually, 2018. So this has kind of been an ongoing thing in the last five years or so. And it is from news.co.uk. So just a UK news site. And it says, um, tuna caught in the North Sea off Scarborough in 1933 by adventurer Lorenzo Mitchell Henry retains the record for largest fish caught in British waters with a rod in line. Uh, At the age of 67, he landed a tuna weighing 851 pounds, which is equivalent to 4,000 cans of fish, which would, we were talking about that earlier, me and Maddie, it would feed a family for a year plus, (laughs) (laughs) which is, I mean, one animal, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, one fish, basically the bluefin tuna sparked a really big recreational rod and reel fishery in that area back in the day up into the sixties. And then it started to dwindle off. And by the nineties, they thought that the tuna was gone. Yeah, it just completely disappeared from anywhere near the UK in the North Atlantic. Yeah, and this is bluefin tuna. That's we're not. That's the only one we're talking about. We're not talking about any other species of tuna. Bluefin tuna is currently listed as an endangered species, so you can't fish it. And there's fishing bans on it over there. And so what's been happening over the last five years or so is people are starting to see more and more of these tuna. They're coming back. Yeah, it says so far in 2018 there have been more than a hundred witnessed feeding events, which they describe as frenzied encounters where dozens or even hundreds of tuna at a time rise to the surface to feed on their preferred prey of herring or sprats, producing a so-called boiling sea, which I feel like that would be really cool to see. Yeah, that would be really cool, especially because the fish are so big. Yeah. It'd be crazy to see a bunch of them. them. Hundreds of them feeding? I got to look that up on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The sightings, uh, most of which have been off Cornwall and Wales, suggest that thousands of bluefin are now passing through or are even resonant in the coastal waters of the British Isles. So that's a big difference from people thinking that it's completely gone out of that area to now thousands mm-hmm. residing in, in those waters. So people are starting to campaign for a broad and real recreational fishery. And yeah, this, to get rid of the bands that's currently set on it, the It's a little, there. yeah, it's, it's causing a little bit of controversy because it is a still listed as an endangered species and it is still banned. They want to lift that ban, but you know, a lot 
lot of people are saying, well, we can't lift it yet because we don't know how long these fish are going to stick around. We don't know what the population is really like. We can't just say, oh, we, we're starting to see a bunch of these fish, so let's go catch it mm-hmm. um, because we don't know what impact that's going to have. Yeah. Well, so what's the smart move? It's get scientists and experienced anglers to catch and tag some of these and figure out, track their movement really figure out what's what's going on with that specific species and if they are really residing are they just traveling through or whatnot I think you know get some more research done to really make an educated decision on what to do obviously we don't want to just catch them all and de- deplete them again and wait another 50 60 years before they come back right well what they're they proposing what they're proposing is is a, a recreational fishery where it's catch and release. So they were saying that in the past what they've shown is that the mortality rate from this type of practice of catch and release, you know, rod and reel, so you're not using nets, you're not using gill nets or anything like that. You're catching them with a hook on a line and then take your picture and then put it back in the water. And they're saying that the mortality rates from that are like 5%, which, okay, if you have a thousand fish out there, 5% is going to be a decent amount of fish. So I think when people see low numbers and percentages, they feel like it's like almost nothing. But if you compare it to temperature or climate, one degree makes a huge difference. So right. you know, it's, it's all relative. It's all relative and, and how you look at it. So especially if you have 200 fish out there, 5% is a decent percentage of that. So, well, and is it going to be a special fishing license? It's going to cost X amount of Right. And that stuff and, hasn't hashed. They yeah, haven't hashed that stuff of... out yet, I don't think, because they are doing it right. I consider this part of the story to be a success story because they didn't do the impulsive thing that probably would have happened here in America (laughs) (laughs) where they say these fish are back let's open up the fisheries and then it just goes crazy and they can't control it and and we cause more problems they did take the initiative of we need to do the research we need to learn about these fish where they're coming from what their migratory paths are because this is a nomadic fish that is constantly moving all over the ocean and so the most recent article is actually from this month from November 6th just a few days ago and it's talking about this group Tunis UK which is a collaborative research project it includes University of Exeter the Center for Environment Fisheries and Aquaculture Science and the Tuna Research and Conservation Center of Stanford University. And they are doing a lot of tagging research where they're working with experienced anglers going out there and catching these fish on rod and reels. They're tagging them and the tags will allow them to track the bluefin's that fish's exact movements. You guys have seen tagging in sharks, right? If you, if anyone has watched Shark Week, that's what a lot of the, it used to be a lot of research stuff. Like we're tagging these sharks and this is what we can learn from it. Now it's like the Megalodon is back. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I have hurt take, for content. I take separate issue with, with Shark Week, but I think a lot of people can understand the tagging procedure through that because that's kind of the same idea. So they tag these fish. It tracks their movements, uh, including how long they stay in the UK in that area. And that's not really known right now. So that's what they're, looking to get a better understanding of where these fish are going, where they're coming from, what they're eating, and it can give them a little bit more information about those prey species. And the the question is, they're looking at, is the return of these fish a result of, it could be like, they're thinking it's one of two things, and it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Is it a result of those stocks of prey fish, like herring, being recovered a little bit, and they're now able to move into the area and they change the migration patterns to come back and feed here because there's more? Or is it because there's a depletion of those prey fish where they were before and now they're branching out and trying to find new feeding areas, which has brought them back out of desperation to these waters? It also could be something with climate change. Maybe the environmental conditions have changed where they are and they're coming back here because the it's more favorable. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things um, and they don't want to open up the floodgates of recreational fisheries until they figure some of this stuff out so because if it is the second one if there's 
still not very many bluefin tuna and they just happen to be moving more northward, then they should definitely keep the fishery ban up because there's still not that many fish. They just happen to have moved to a different place. I think they're doing the right thing and waiting it out and seeing the results from the research. This yeah. is a species that already, did you say it was on the endangered species list? Yeah. So where, how come we haven't been tagging? Maybe we are. I would think that around the world. Well, this research has been going on for a while. I mean, it was a 12 month research project, but I believe they've been tagging them since before that because they have been starting to see these fish in the last five years or so. I think sightings started to show up in like 2015. Mm-hmm. And it's, But we're in a concentrated area. Where else in the world are they? And are we tagging them there? And are in I think there needs to be some collaboration yeah, yeah. here. What's, to really what's see the bigger it? picture? And let's yeah. bring everyone's data together. Uh, I'd love to do a full episode on this. This is just a, a short tweener. We thought this was an interesting topic. We wanted to bring it to the attention of people, do a little bit more research. Like I said, this article on Undercurrent News was from or from the BBC was from two days ago. So I found it and I thought it was interesting and wanted to jump on it. I would love to see if we can get in contact with some of the researchers or some people involved in this project and see what, get what a they're looking at. Get a full episode on this, yeah. Yeah, what they're looking at. And, and, and I think I'm going to try to contact them. Um, there's a couple of people here, but regardless of everything that's going on and the research that's happening and, you know, the scientists are saying that the long-term future of the British bluefin tuna is not assured. And um, uh, Matthew Witt from Exeter University said they're huge, exciting top predators with an uncertain future. So we just don't know how long they're going to be in the area and if it makes sense to open those floodgates for fishing. And a lot of people are arguing that opening up a recreational fisheries is just premature at this point. And then the last thing that I want to leave this story with is uh, a quote from Will McCallum, who is the head of oceans at Greenpeace UK. And he said, any decision to allow fishing for tuna or potentially harming it by catching and releasing it would have to be based on rigorous research regarding the true state of its recovery. And I think that is the belief of pretty much everyone that's involved in this whole situation. So I'm happy with the approach they're taking. I do think that it could be a huge economic boom in the area if you allow recreational fishing of this. And I think it would be really, really good for the local economies off Scotland and Wales and all that that whole area there. But they really need to make sure that they're doing it right. And they definitely have sustainability in mind, which is nice to see. Well, and proceeds for those fishing permits or licenses can be used for conservation, research, all sorts of interesting things. Yeah. And in contrast to that, I know my boyfriend loves fishing here in New England and for the past few years, or I don't know even how long it's been, but there's been a fishing ban on cod here, which used to be like the main fish that you could catch in this area. Mm -hmm. But because so many people were fishing them, they've, I don't know if they're technically an endangered species, but their populations have majorly decreased in recent years. But in the past year or so, they've seen a major resurgence. Huge. Which is actually. great. That was a classic so, story. We, we mentioned Tragedy of the Commons in one of our early episodes. Go back. I think it's like episode two or three, one of the early episodes where we- Yeah, it wasn't one of the first. Yeah, we, we had a, an awesome robotic voice that read the definition for Tragedy of the Commons. Um, but the, the cod fishery story is the classic story of Tragedy of the Commons, where this is an a, abundant resource that we need to take advantage of, and then we- took too much, too much advantage, advantage of it and then we lost it yeah. uh, or almost lost it. And they've been doing a lot of work to bring it back. And, and yeah, so it, I think that will be a success story. Well, they've done a lot of work to like help the species come back so much so that this year, this fall, they had a two week period where anybody could go fishing for cod in New England. But you could only keep each person could only keep one cod fish if they caught it. Within and that two week span or is it? Yeah, like, just within that two week span. Hmm. And a few weeks, bef- and they had this two-week 
marker set for like a year in advance. So it was this past September. And a few weeks before the this window came up, they actually discovered that the population hadn't come back as much as, much as everybody as thought. thought. So and, it went from two weeks to one week. But they still had it. And everybody still went fishing and they still caught their cod. So it'll be interesting to see like in a year from now, once we see the results of what that window was and see more of if the population actually came back or if it didn't or what the situation is. But I think the bottom line with these issues is that it's a lot more of a long term issue Mm. and it takes a while to actually get to the bottom of like what's actually going on because it is the ocean and it's more unknown and it's not like a pasture of cows that you can just count them with your naked eye exactly and this type of research is a long game for sure it's a marathon and if you've ever taken an an ecology class in college or something like that undoubtedly you've done the population sampling research projects where you know you take a small area of a certain plot of land you count what's on there and that's your sample and then you need to break that out amongst you know do the math to figure out how much that represents of the entire area so how many animals are in that area but you need to do that over and over and over again over time to get any actual what you can consider more reliable data. So I think this is going to be a, a long project, but I'm really excited about where it's going. And I, I respect the approach that they're taking. They seem to be doing it right. And I'm really excited to see what kind of data comes out of this first 12 months, which just wrapped up. You said it just wrapped yeah, up Yeah, last October. month so, in October. So I, and I want to make sure that I have a disclaimer of I'm not an expert in this area, if I got anything wrong, please don't roast me on spit. <laughs> um, please just contact us and let us know if there's additional information that we missed or that we we need to clarify more on. But I'm going to do a little bit of research and see if I can get in contact with someone that's involved in this to bring them on the show for a full episode because I think it's a really cool topic and I think it's a really interesting thing that we're seeing happen in real time. It's just cool to see that the, a species disappeared and then it's starting to show up again and we're not sure why. We don't know why. It's it could be and it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing or it could be a combo of both. So, you know, I think it's really interesting. We kind of jumped on it quick so we didn't have too much time to do too much research, but I, I literally gave it to Justin and Maddie fifteen minutes before we recorded. I, I <laughs> it said, was a little longer this than is, that. This is what An we're hour. doing. <laughs> so anything else you guys have to say about that? No, I just thought it was interesting. Well, yes, I do have something. I was just reading some of these facts and I didn't realize that bluefin tuna are one of the largest and fastest fish on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why people care so much about this. Quiz time. It's... What is the largest fish to exist right now? Do whales count? No, because those are mammals. Baby wheel. <laughs> baby wheel kid. <laughs> the baby wheel kid. Call the aquarium or something. I'm going to go with the bluefin tuna. 800 pounds? Come on, that's huge. I know, that is really big. What's your guess? Um, I would have said bluefin tuna too because I, that's the biggest fish I've ever heard of. Whale shark. Oh my gosh, I just saw a video of a mm-hmm. whale shark just now. Sharks are fish, believe it or not. <laughs> Sharks are fish. The more you know. The more you know. Yep, elasmobranchs. How was cartilage. a 500 to 800 pound fish become like, he was built for speed, I guess. It's like a bumblebee. You look at this giant thing in the air and it's like, <laughs> how does that thing get off the ground? No, it's the perfect torpedo shape for getting, it's super hydrodynamic. So it reaches a top hydrodynamic speed. Hydrodynamic instead of aerodynamic. That's yeah, cool. That's a word. I know. So That's interesting. Maddie okay. learned something today. <laughs> I learned multiple things today. <laughs> what uh, what are we going to be linking in the show notes? Probably some of these articles. We'll link uh, to the article from uh, the news.co.uk and we'll link to the BBC article and undercurrent. I mean, the undercurrent news was kind of a, a abbreviated version of the mm-hmm. BBC article, but we'll link to all of them. And any of these experts, if they happen to listen to the show, contact us. 
so that we can uh, get them on the show and try to talk about. Yeah, we want to make sure that our information is accurate. So again, I apologize if you know something that I don't or if I said something wrong, but I really was excited about the story. I think it's super interesting and I think our listeners would appreciate it. And I think if we get some get some anglers listening, you know, they'd be interested in hearing about this story too and staying on top of this. So last thing, I know this is a tweener episode, but we are fishing for sport. Some people are probably completely against it and some people are for it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you my side, but uh, catching an 800 pound tuna is probably quite a rush. Yeah. I don't know if any fish is able to get to that size before it's caught. Yeah. Uh, in anymore. 2019. If yeah. you get that large, you're a very smart fish. Yeah, that's very And true. you deserve to Live. not be caught and breed. <laughs> just same like, with a lobster. Just right? like the lobster fishery. Yeah, right? survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. That fish is fit. Yeah, yeah. still 500-pound fish. I catch a like, big two-pound I mean, bass, and I'm like, if you man, ever, what a fight that was. If you ever watch... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little pumpkin seed, man. Yeah, yeah really. Woo! That man, he really that, swallowed that hook. I had to really flex my finger to catch that thing. <laughs> With my daughter's Barbie <laughs> rod. <laughs> yeah, the, the Minnie Mouse rod that yeah, uh, yeah. has the safety button on it. But... Uh, if you watch shows like Wicked Tuna, some of the fish that these guys are bringing up, these tuna are just, they're huge. They're massive fish. And I mean, the ocean's a big place. So you get big animals living out there. Yep. Um, and opening up a recreational fishery for some of these larger fish, especially with regulations around catch and release and you can't really keep it, that is, it's an interesting topic and it would be a huge economic opportunity for that local area. So yep. It is what it is. Let's uh, let's see where it goes, and we'll continue to keep you updated. Hopefully, we'll get someone on here to talk more about it in depth on a full episode. Yeah, absolutely. So let's wrap it up. Uh, anyone that wants to get in contact with us, our email is podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. Send us a tweet or follow us at AquademiaPod, or give us a call. Leave a voicemail at 1-603-384-3560. Yeah, and remember to check out aquaculturealliance.org because there's a lot of cool information on there. We have a lot of videos that we've made, informational Mm -hmm. videos and some courses that you can take on the Academy. And just there's a lot of opportunities for learning. So check it out. Ciao, Maine. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hasta la pasta. (laughs) 